Good morning. Greet each of you in Jesus' name. It's good to be here to worship with you all again. Well, Philip mentioned in his prayer that today is a special day for us as a congregation because Brother Delmer and Sister Sarah have asked to transfer their membership from the Fairhaven Congregation in Myerstown, Pennsylvania to Mabel Memorial Congregation. And I think that we've already been blessed by having them worshiping with us and look forward to having them as a part of the congregation here. So I've asked them if they would come forward and just give their testimony at this time. Thank you all for your testimony. So the congregation there at Fairhaven has given them a clear letter of transfer. And so uh, as of this morning, we will consider them members in our congregation here. If you all can accept them as members, I would invite you all to stand to show your welcome and your support. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> For the message this morning, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is one of those uh, messages where I had this, these thoughts in my mind and it kind of ruminated over them for a period of time, a number of days a good part of last week maybe, developed the message, came to church and realized that it tied very closely into the Sunday school lesson and with some of the things that were shared, at least in the men's class this morning. But I'd like to read uh, the first eight verses here of 2 Timothy 4. Mainly, I want to focus in on a very short part of this, but I felt like the, these eight verses helped to set the stage. So let's read it this time. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of, se out of season, reprove, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. So in these verses we have the Apostle Paul, who at this time was an older man, likely based on the 
what we know of, of Paul. He was probably in his somewhere in his 60s, maybe a little older, writing to Timothy, who is his, his protege. He was coming on, in some ways, taking the place of the apostle Paul, carrying on his ministry. Paul wrote this while he was imprisoned at Rome. Uh, depends on your view of the, the limited amount of information we have about the end of Paul's life, but most people think that he was imprisoned two different times and that this was the second imprisonment and that he was there in prison facing execution. For being, uh, for being a Christian. Tradition has it that he was martyred there in Rome. This also was probably about 30 years roughly after the day of Pentecost. So the church was yet new, but yet it had already grown a lot. And it was suffering intense persecution from the Romans. This, were, this was during the days of, of Nero, who was a very cruel, ruthless man who did some horrible things to the Christian believers. But it wasn't just the Jews who were Oh, excuse me, the, the Romans who were oppressing the Christians, the Jewish, the Jewish people as well were, were opposing the Christian people. Doing all they could do to stop the spread of Christianity. But think about that in light, with, in light of Paul's concern in these verses. As Paul was sitting there and his... Life was drawing to a close. He was recognizing that I have a very short time yet to live. His concern was not about the opposition and the persecution that the church was facing, but rather his concern was for the purity of the gospel message, for the steadfastness of the church. In verses 1 and 2, we see Paul giving Timothy a charge not to beware of persecution and opposition, but he was charging him to be faithful. To be faithful in preaching the Gospel message and in administering in the church. And the reason for that is Paul says there's a time coming, and I have to believe that Paul already was seeing it in his day, that there's a time coming when people within the church are not going to listen to and accept sound doctrine, but rather they're going to seek out people who tell them what their fleshly desires want to hear. They're going to seek out people that tell them that there's an easier way. He was saying that there would be people that would purposefully seek out people who would manipulate the gospel message to suit their desires. 
And I believe that what Paul is alluding to here is that that type of influence is more dangerous than persecution and opposition from the world around us. In verse 4, he says that they would turn their ears away from the truth. What is truth? That's what Pilate asked. God's Word is truth, is what Jesus has told us. So he's saying that they would turn their ears away from what God has clearly spoken in His Word. And part of the truth of that Gospel message is the truth that apart from God, we're lost. Apart from God and His forgiveness, we're alienated from Him. We're, in t- we're, we're condemned to eternal punishment, to suffer eternal separation from God. And Paul was saying that there's going to be people that will claim that there's a different way to fix that sin problem. There's a different way to, to be right with God. There's a different way to avoid eternal punishment in hell. And Paul's desire was that Timothy would be faithful as a minister to proclaim the truth of the Gospel message. That was the concern that Paul had for the church. That it wouldn't succumb to that type of teaching. Teaching that did away with Jesus' clear instruction that to come to Him, we must die to self. We must live a life of holiness. We must live a life separated from sin. And Paul said that time is coming. And Paul lived almost 2,000 years before our time. And that danger is still a danger today. It's still a false teaching today. Because Jesus said, if any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for My sake will find it. What is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's only one way to live faithfully for the Lord. And that way is not an easy road. It is not pleasing to our flesh. It's a life of struggle. It's a life of conflict. And it's a life of battles. And we see Paul acknowledging that in verse 7. As he recognized that he was at the end of his life and he was reflecting on his, the life he had lived for Christ. And from what we know of Paul's life, probably he was a, a, young, a young man, maybe around 30, when he was converted. And Paul was looking back and he was saying, I have fought a good fight. Paul had faced persecution. He had faced opposition. He had faced personal battles. 
And he says, I have fought a good fight. He refers to the Christian life as a course or a race. It wasn't an easy walk in the park, but rather it was a battle. It was a battle that took determination and perseverance. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning is that determination and perseverance that it takes for each one of us to be faithful, to guard against false teaching, to guard against opposition, possibly persecution, but to guard against ourselves, to guard against our fleshly nature that wants to draw us away from God's way. I've said this before, I don't know that I've said it here, it's been impressed upon me that our fleshly nature cares nothing about our eternal destiny. The only thing thing that our fleshly nature cares about is this life. And so it's constantly trying to get us to do the things that seem fulfilling in this life without regard to the end results in the next. So endurance, perseverance, not giving up. It's so important for us to have that as we walk with the Lord and as we work in His kingdom. I was kind of thinking about that subject of perseverance and endurance and thought about this passage. And Paul's end-of-life testimony here and his warnings to Timothy. And you know, as we think about Paul's life, we can think about his conversion. We probably all know well that story of how he... he Christ came to him there on the road to Damascus and he was converted. That's a wonderful account. We know so much about Paul and his ministry and his traveling all over that area of the world, Asia, maybe even further, preaching the gospel message. We know about all the writings of Paul that we have that make up a significant portion of the New Testament. You know, Paul could have done all of those things. And sitting there in the prison at Rome said, it's not worth it, and thrown it all away. And all of those past things would have been worthless to him. You see, his faithfulness to the end is what counted. If you were to run a marathon and you were 100 feet from the finish line and you just said, it's not worth it, and you stopped and walked away, have you run a marathon? No. You gave up. It doesn't matter that you were so close. We must, like Paul, Determined to fight the fight of faith 
until the end and not give up. Not give in to the pressures around us. Not give in to fleshly desires. Not give in to false teachings. And so sadly, I have to admit, I've seen it. Where people, maybe middle-aged, maybe even older, just start throwing away things that they've stood on all their lives. They give up. They don't have the perseverance and the determination. So thinking about the Apostle Paul, talked about a little of what he faced. What was Paul's greatest battle? You know, he, he recounts some things that he experienced. And there's recorded some things he experienced. Paul was stoned. They threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. And his friends drug him back into the... You know, he revived. I don't know. They. I, I have to believe that Paul was in pretty bad shape that night. Was that Paul's greatest battle? No. I have to believe that some of that opposition was actually fairly easy for Paul. Do you know what Paul's greatest battle was? His greatest battle is the same battle that's my greatest battle today. And that is himself. Me. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, Paul said, I died daily. He's speaking about his, his fleshly desires. Paul didn't get stoned daily. He didn't get shipwrecked daily. He didn't, all these other things that he experienced didn't happen daily. But Paul said, I die daily. I die to self daily. And I believe that Paul was telling us that he was in a continual battle with the flesh. He had to crucify his fleshly nature and nurture his spiritual life daily. We see this as well in what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. This is from the New King James. He said, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul, I believe, understood that his greatest and most critical battle in his Christian life was the battle with his own will and his own fleshly nature and desires. And that if he didn't daily win that battle, everything else was useless. If Paul had not been victorious in that battle, there's no way that he could have spread the gospel to so many areas, witnessed to so many people, and written so much of the New Testament without winning the battle with self. So he recognized here that the course of his life, that race of life was, that had been laid out for him to run was almost over. 
We don't know if he was days away, weeks away, months away from the end of his life, but he was at the end. And what a blessing for him to be able to sit there in that prison in Rome and write these words as he looked back at his life that I have fought a good fight. And that he had kept the faith. He could look back and see that he had held unswervingly to the Lord and to the Gospel message. He hadn't been drawn away by anything, by false teachers, by his own desires. And he recognized that because of his faithfulness, God had promised him that there was a reward waiting for him. He said, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. He knew that when the executioner, he, history says that he was beheaded, he knew that when that axe came down on his neck, there was a crown of righteousness waiting for him because he had been faithful, because he had overcome. Paul demonstrated a single-minded determination as he followed the Lord that should be a, an immense challenge for you and I today. Was Paul perfect? No. I, I think Paul had to tell people, I'm sorry. I think Paul had to tell people that I've failed. But he had a determination and a perseverance to the point that he could look back at the end of his life and say, I gave it my all. If Paul had been half-hearted in his walk with the Lord, in his work in the church, do you think that he would have there at the end of life been able to have said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I think he would have been sitting there with all kinds of regrets. But his statement doesn't sound like a statement of a man with a lot of regrets. And I think it's because he gave it his all. Was he perfect? No. But he gave it all that he could. So what about you and I? Are we serving the Lord and fighting the good fight with the kind of determination that Paul had? How often do we allow things to distract us from our commitment to the Lord or our commitment to His work? You know, it's easy to be involved in the work of the Lord, working in the church, and just kind of get burned out. And I don't see Paul ever really getting looking like in the Scriptures that he got burned out. And you know, some of us have more stamina than others. But how quick are we to give up? How quick are we to quit praying for someone when we feel like our prayers aren't getting answered? That's what I struggle with. And if we want to come to the end of our life and have a testimony like Paul, we're going to have to put effort into our walk with the Lord. 
How serious are we about serving the Lord? Jesus recognized that there would be things that would come along in our lives that would hinder us in our relationship with Him, our walk with Him. I'd like you to turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 29 through 30. Jesus said, But I say unto you, uh, excuse me, I started the wrong verse. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus is saying that if our right eye or our right hand causes us to fall into sin, we're better off to chop it off, pluck out our eye, chop off a hand, than to be led into sin. That's a picture of determination. Determination that it doesn't matter the cost. My right eye caused me to, to go away from the Lord. I'm getting rid of it. You know, we give lip service to what Jesus said here. Yet I feel like so often we struggle to put it into practice. And no, I don't expect anybody to gouge out their eye or to cut off a hand. Jesus clearly was making using that as an illustration. He wasn't desiring that we do that physically. He was just pointing out how desperately important it is that we don't allow things to drag us away from Him. But sometimes there's things that we need to cut out of our lives. And yet we struggle to. You know, I look back on my own life and there was a time that I filled my mind with music that was detrimental to my spiritual life. And there came a time when I realized I have to get rid of that. There was another time that, uh, and, and sad to say some of these things didn't happen overnight. It was maybe a slow, gradual process. But there was another time that I came to realize that there was some talk radio I was listening to that really was negative to me spiritually. It was not helping me to think properly. And I had to get rid of that. You know, we need to look at our life and the things that we do and the influences that we are allowing in our life. And we need to analyze and we need to make some hard decisions sometimes to get rid of something that is a negative thing. And I know what it's like. Well, if I don't listen to that, what am I going to listen to? 
um, if I don't hang out with those people, who are going to be my friends? You know, this is that's that's how we think. But where is your determination, and where is your perseverance? We need to recognize that if we're going to live a victorious life, and if we're we're going to have to have a level of determination and commitment that will cause us to take radical steps to protect us spiritually. Now, if we have that determination, there are things that we're going to need to get rid of, but there's also a positive side. There's things that we need to do. We can't just go through our life getting rid of things because this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. I'm getting rid of this, getting rid of this, getting rid of this. If that's our focus, we're still going to struggle. Because there's things we must do if we're going to be victorious. You could make a longer list than what I have here. But several things that come to mind this should be a large part of the life of everyone that's determined to be faithful to the end. First, and I think foremost, is daily Bible reading. I believe from personal uh, experience and from the testimony of others that time spent with God's Word Daily time spent with God's Word is essential if we're going to live life victoriously. And I'm not advocating just a quick read of one short chapter. I'm talking about immersing ourselves in God's Word. How else are you and I going to know God Unless we are, I'll say it this way, devouring what He gave us to reveal Himself to us. What do we know about God other than what He has showed us in this book? Yes, we, we can see God's hand at work in nature around us. But what we know of God, of the plan of redemption, and of how He wants you and I to live, is found in the pages of this book. If you aren't spending time there, I almost guarantee you that you will struggle to be faithful in your Christian life. We also need to spend time in prayer each day. We need to pray for ourselves, for spiritual strength, for a desire, a spiritual desire that we would want the things of God. That we would have a distaste for the things of Satan, the things of the world. But not only ourselves, we need to pray for others. I think as we develop a burden for others, for our brothers and sisters in the church, for those who are lost, those that we know are having struggles, 
I don't know exactly how it works, but there's something about praying for those other people and those needs that strengthens us in our commitment. It helps us to want to remain strong and firm to help those that are struggling along. It helps us to want to bring them up to a higher level. See, we grow together. We just don't grow independently. And along with that, we need to worship and fellowship with our fellow believers. We need one another. We need encouragement of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need to recognize that we're in a battle, but it's we're not in it alone. I come to church and I hear words of encouragement and I hear what's shared in Sunday school. I hear the message and it helps to strengthen me and build me up. There's something about regular church attendance that builds us up spiritually. And when we neglect being at church when there's a service, we are missing a spiritual blessing that's going to help us to remain strong and to be and, and to persevere to the end. We need to be associating with the people of God. We need their positive influence in our lives if we're going to be faithful. And these things, like I said, you could add to this list, I'm sure, of, of, of good things that we need to do. But these things are things that have a cumulative effect we can't go home and sit down and read the Bible, spend three hours this afternoon reading the Bible and say, okay, now, I've, I've done that. I've, I've, I should really be stronger spiritually. And you might be. But these things have a cumulative effect. There's... there's there's an effect that I can't explain of doing something repetitive. It's like someone said, and I can't remember the exact quote, uh, was something about, uh, I think it was maybe uh, somebody was challenging a preacher and he compared it to eating a meal. He said, you know, how many, how many of your wife's meals do you remember? And he's like, well, you know, not many. And he's like, well, did they do you any good? Well, yeah, he guesses they did. You know, we eat every day. It has a cumulative effect of keeping us alive and healthy and well. Spiritually, if we aren't doing these things, if we aren't reading God's Word, if we aren't praying, if we aren't fellowshipping with the believers, we cannot stay healthy and well. So how determined are you and I to remain faithful to then so that we can be like Paul and say, I have fought a good fight. We'll never get to that point if we're half-hearted in our determination to remain faithful. We'll never get there if we won't get rid of things that are detrimental to our spiritual life. And we won't get there if we don't do the good things that build us up and strengthen us spiritually. Faithfulness doesn't just happen. 
Faithfulness is a product of determination and perseverance in the ways of God. I'd like to turn to one more passage in closing. Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. And the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus was giving an example here of two men that had found something of, of tremendous value. They found this the one found this treasure and the other found a, a, a valuable pearl. When they saw these, these items, they recognized the value that was there. And they were willing to sacrifice everything they had to obtain that thing of high value. It says they sold all that they had. We have a gospel message. A message of hope for this life. Hope for the next. And if we're going to obtain that prize, we must be willing, like these men, to give all. Jesus said as well in Luke 14, that whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And I don't think Jesus was saying we have to go sell our house and our car and you know, become destitute. We have to be willing to forsake everything that hinders us. And that's sobering. We don't obtain the prize by association. The man that found that treasure in the field had no value. That, that, that treasure was of no value to him until he sold all he had and went and bought the field. The knowledge of the field and the treasure was worthless. Same with the, man, the, the merchant and the pearl. He found that pearl and he said, wow, that's a find of a lifetime. He could have walked away. He would have known where the pearl was. He would have known the value that it held. But until he sold all that he had and went and bought, that pearl was not his. We don't obtain the prize by knowledge and association, but rather by personal sacrifice and surrender. This morning, what is your level? of determination and perseverance. Will you, like Paul, be able to say at the end of your life, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. God bless you.